0: It's kind of an odd, you you said or at the beginning of this conversation, it's an odd name for the play given the songs. <laughs> Welcome back to No Script, an unscripted conversation about theater's best scripts. I'm Jackson Nikolai. I'm Jacob Mann Christensen.
1: Thanks for joining us again this week, and thanks for joining us all season. We've got yeah. a couple of businessy type announcements to get through because a lot of things are happening all at once, but probably the biggest and most
0: important one is that it's the end of the season, yo. It's true. We made it all the way through season 10, 20 some more conversations about theater's best scripts. And uh yeah, we've we've uh reached the end of this particular jaunt. Um and are going to take a short break over the summer months. Um we usually come back in the kind of late summer, early fall. Uh some some things always shuffle in our schedules, so we're not putting out the release date of the next season just yet, but rest assured, it is coming. We already have a lot of the plays picked for it and we're getting getting excited ourselves for those conversations coming up
1: yes it should be fantastic I think right now we can tease that the uh, the beginning of the season is a return to an old tradition which mm-hmm. will be quite fun we'll see that when we get there but uh, like Jackson said we, we take this break it's normal break it's part of the life of no script uh, it's a great time to catch up on other episodes that you uh, missed throughout the past seasons it's a great time to read some of those plays that you've been wanting to read, and then re-engage with the conversation. But we will return. Season 11 will begin sometime late summer, early fall. We couldn't be more excited about it, but... It has also been a fantastic season 10, and it's a good moment just to celebrate the the variety, the crazy variety of scripts we got to do. We had a great themed month of short plays. We're back this week from our special guest episode. It's been yeah. a wonderful ride like it always is.
0: It really has been. It's always great to kind of reflect on like just, just the scope of the plays we've talked about. We've been all over, you know, time we've been all over genres we've been all over the place um and uh, and it's been a delight to get to continue to share these scripts with all of you so thank you all for listening thank you all for tuning in thank you all for engaging these scripts as well online in various places or directly to us um means a whole lot to us and it's great to get to continue having these conversations with each other and with all of you out there listening to no script the podcast
1: Absolutely. So, uh, like we said earlier, we're back from our special guest episode. Jackson ha- was joined by Hannah barker Nikolai last week to talk about Frozen, which is its own kind of strange, uncomfortable play, <laughs> and this this uh, play musical for today is as well. I'm glad to be back. I am on the back end of a little cold cough thing that, unfortunately, we ended up moving our recording time around a little bit because yeah. I actually, like, <laughs> full-on lost my voice for the first time in, like probably a decade where I've just like, like <laughs> it's literally just my voice has been gone and I couldn't speak. I was like this, everybody in my house, I was like, it's time to get up for <laughs> breakfast to, to say to the kids. And it's, I mean, it was, it was weird. It was wild, but I'm back. Yeah, yeah. My voice is not, it's not normal. Perhaps you may hear just a slight variation in how I sound, but I'm excited and ready for today's conversation.
0: Yeah, and, and it's a fun conversation too. This 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 play is a robust play. Um uh it's a play that's been around for a minute and has kind of rode out some waves. Um and has has returned recently, as you know in the title. Um, we are talking about parade today by Alfred Uri and Jason Robert Brown. Um... Yeah, this is actually... And I, I think probably- we should
1: also mention Harold Prince because Harold Prince is the kind of conceiver of the show and really spearheaded making the thing, although there is a a book writer and a music lyricist in Alfred Uri and Jason Robert Brown. In some ways, this project is a Harold Prince project, um, and it it's... It's a fascinating musical. It's based on a true story. It's it's a musical about anti-Semitism in the South. It's a musical about the way in which racial, ethnic, religious, prejudice can influence the criminal justice system in the United States. I think there's a reason why the show was recently revived because we are facing those issues in our criminal justice system still. And it, it is relevant in that way. And some of the ways that this musical kind of places that discrimination and that issue with the criminal justice system in context of a larger cultural movement. Um, The play being set in the South, it's specific to the South for the story, but the, the theme, the message, the reason why this show exists is about how that prejudice filters
0: outward. Mm-hmm. yeah the, the ripple effects of it and and both 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 on the individual people's lives on on kind of the zoomed in scale but also the broader scale of its region and and the whole country eventually um is is a part of this this story in the scope of this play I'm excited to get to talk about it I, as always I feel like just just to say up front uh, I, I listened through it again today and uh and it's the the thing that we can't capture on these conversations is the musicality of the piece um and it's just so Beautiful. It's a beautiful uh, musical piece. A uh, really complex vocal parts. Um, and so uh, j- I've just finished listening through it again, and I'm still kind of you know uh, in in the swell of of that sort of the beauty of of the soundtrack itself. So it's a great musical for all of that, and I'm excited to get to chat about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, having recently talked about Phantom of the Opera, of course, it's it's just like when we have these, (laughs) there are some things that a conversation of this kind have a hard time capturing. Uh, One of them we know from, from 10 seasons now is like the essence of comedy. And and it's just like hard to capture that in these conversations. And it's also where right, right. I mean, I I am not a musician. You are a musician, but I'm not a musician. I, I know a little bit of how to read music, but I don't. I can't ever really get deep into conversations about how the music of a piece worked. And even for if sure, we sure. could, it's much harder to have those conversations than it is about <laughs> characters, about themes, about theatrical choices, about how something is staged. And so uh, yeah, we don't do sure. it a ton of musicals in part because we do them a little bit of a disservice but we will certainly do our best in our conversation about parade today
0: yeah yeah it, it is it is interesting <clears throat> uh, just a little bit of work uh, around how how it's written and things like that there's some really interesting musical stuff going on we maybe we'll bring up some of it but yeah yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll 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 take our best swing at at this this uh, musical experience today
1: Absolutely. But before we dive in, we are going to ask everybody for the final time of the season. Consider heading on over to patreon.com slash podcast. All one word, no hyphens, no underscores. Patreon.com slash podcast. That is the place where you can become a supporter of the show. How that works is that you choose a monthly amount to support the running of Noscript. The lowest tier is a dollar a month. We, we haven't changed that in 10 seasons we do not foresee changing that right now that it's important to us that supporting the show be as accessible as possible and that one dollar a month level is hugely helpful and beneficial there are higher tiers if you can afford those and and basically what happens is that We require, we rely on that financial support in order to make NoScript happen in the way that it is. NoScript is not really a money-making enterprise. It is an enterprise that we do for the joy and the love of it that costs money to do. And so because we have great folks out there who listen, who participate in conversations, and who choose to support the show financially, we're able to do it. And if those people didn't exist or, or weren't able to support us financially, we wouldn't be able to do the show perhaps at all definitely not in the way that it exists now and that's just sort of the simple financial calculus of being able to do this so the folks that are supporting us on Patreon huge thank you to you we try to thank you every week because you make doing no script possible no script not possible without you if you're not a supporter yet it's just something to think about go over and check out the page there's some benefits to being a supporter that you can look at over there um, to get more details about them the biggest benefit is that we keep it the financial costs really low so that you can at a very low barrier of entry feel like you are hugely helpful in making a show that you like a conversation that you like happen on a week-to-week basis Please think about it if you haven't. No script uh, sorry, not no script.com, patreon.com slash no script podcast is the place to check us out. And we will see you over there.
0: Yes, indeed. And now back to the script.
1: I figured I'd give you the last one of the season. You know? It's like, Thanks. I appreciate it. It's like it. a parting <laughs> gift
0: for you. I had, to get, <laughs> had to get something up on the scoreboard for that.
1: <laughs> what do you I think got, it is? Got, do you think just, it's like Sixteen to three? You think we you think you got three of them in this season?
0: <laughs> I think so. I think with the special guest episode included, I got three. Oh, that's so. <laughs> true. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna jump into the conversation about parade here I'm gonna give you just a bit of brief context on the show to start out our conversation um uh interestingly with with musicals we're trying to contextualize uh three sometimes four different uh hands in in the stew <laughs> um so I'll give you brief introductions to the the significant players who brought this uh uh production about uh thank you for the the addition of Harold Prince initially uh Jacob already because Harold Prince kind of was sort searching for someone to write this musical. Um, in fact, he uh, offered the musical to Sondheim at first, and when that didn't pan out, um, he ended up offering it to Jason Robert Brown to write the music and lyrics. The book of the play is uh, written by Alfred Uri, and and these, this, this crew is a really interesting crew. Harold Prince, of course, a pretty famous uh, uh, producer and director. Uh, uh, he's associated with a lot of uh, different productions, including, uh, he's, he's associated with West Side Story, Fiddler on the Roof, Cabaret, Sweeney Todd, Phantom of the Opera, pretty big, pretty big name <laughs> in terms of, of, of theater. And he directed this piece. Um, Jason and Robert Brown. This is actually his uh, first musical. Uh, this 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 uh, musical was kind of offered to him and he accepted it. Um, but you would know uh, his work in other music as musicals as well. You got Last Five Years, um, The Bridges of Madison County, and um, all of all of those that I've just mentioned, including Parade, have won Tony Awards for the music and the and the lyrics. So uh, a very well uh, lauded. Um, a uh, musician and 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 playwright in his own right interestingly he has he has a really interesting style of music that uh i i am i am a musician but i'm not a classical musician so i only have uh, a rocks skipping's knowledge <laughs> of 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 how awesome it is <laughs> the, the type of music he does but it is quite interesting you can read about his style of music um it's very engaging and also uber layered as this piece as parade is um alfred uri wrote the book for this play um he has he's he's a Pulitzer prize winning author um uh or playwright um uh driving miss daisy uh won him the Pulitzer prize um uh, and uh and uh this is actually the kind of if you think of his his work as cycles um uh driving miss daisy is the first play in a cycle that ends with parade um they're all kind of Atlanta based Georgia based plays um and uh and so he's he's done quite a bit of work interestingly he is uh connected to the factory um, that uh, Leo Frank uh, worked at. He he has has a relative who actually owned the factory that Leo Frank worked at. So he's pretty intimately connected with the story and thus he was trusted with kind of writing the book for the production of Parade. Now Parade was uh, first produced in 1998. Um, That production starred Brent Carver and Carolee Carmelo. that production was was uh, uh, a big, uh, a significant one. It's the one that won a bunch of Tony Awards uh, and was nominated for many more than it won. It premiered on Broadway at the Vivian Beaumont Theater at Lincoln Center in 1998. Um, it had 84 regular performances and, uh, it's, it, uh, then continued onto a national tour in, uh, uh, 2000. Uh, so that kind of original run of the show happened. There was a, uh, a London production, uh, that premiered in 2007, uh, California staged it as well. And then, uh, just as recently as this year, it's currently running on Broadway. Uh, the 2023, uh, Broadway revival starred, uh, Ben Platt and uh, Michaela Diamond, a uh, Ben Platt of course of dear Evan Hansen fame, um uh transitioning. I believe the the New York Times uh, review I read said transitioning his nervous energy perfectly into the role of Leo Frank. Um and uh, uh his his uh his, their portrayal of the role has you've likely seen some uh kind of videos posted of that particular production um because uh, they've done they did some uh pretty decent um, uh, press for it, and there's some really nice videos of of uh, Ben Platt uh, si- singing the song, as well as. Michaela diamond as well. Uh, uh, the, the, the big, uh, kind of love duet of theirs it has a pretty famous video out right now. Uh, that production is scheduled to run all the way until August of this year. Um, I imagine it will continue to run. It's already been nominated for a number of Tony, uh, awards. It's, it's, uh, this, this year has a, a lot of great revivals, so we'll see what all goes down. Um, but, uh, very well-lauded play, uh, well-lauded too, as well for the, um, yeah, just the 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 societal weight that it carries. Um, uh, at, both both at the time that it was written, um, it, it was uh, commended by critics, and currently as well, lots of critics critics are enjoying it. Notably, it's being protested by a lot of kind of far right groups as well. Um, so so it's a play that is definitely put on the pulse of something uh, pretty significant that is talking about politically and societally, um, and continues to kind of do that within the musical sphere, which is really unique. I'm excited to kind of talk about how a musical can perform this kind of social critique really well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm I going to try to do a synopsis that's not going to take too much time. It this is a pretty good balance, I think, of a musical. Sometimes musicals are, are have no plot at all. I actually tend to prefer those, weirdly. And sometimes <laughs> musicals are too plot-heavy, in my opinion. Uh, this one, I think, is a really nice balance. So I'm just going to try to give you the highlights. We may talk about specific moments later on, but I'm not going to get too specific If you don't already know, Parade is a musical that is based on a true story, and that true story is a 1913 event where a manager at a factory, a Jewish man named Leo Frank, who moved to the South from uh, New York City because he married someone from Georgia, Uh, they live in Atlanta, and in 1913, uh, a a 13-year-old employee named Mary, now this is, again, 1913, so you're 13 years old in play. Well, yeah, this is also in the middle of a countrywide beginning to think about like how young should children really be working in this way. But at this time, she was thirteen. She was murdered, raped and murdered, and um and and her body was found in the factory. And what ended up happening is that this manager, Leo Frank, is accused and tried for her murder, and although he was innocent, is found to be guilty um, as part of a prejudiced criminal justice system because he's from the North, because he is a Jew, because of his sort of odd personality. Um, and it, what goes on after he's found guilty is that at least the way the musical stages it, he and his wife work together, him kind of studying law on the inside and she on the outside. And they as a team in that way work together to convince several higher ranking folks to reexamine the case. When the case is re-examined, it's found that the case was run, the the trial especially, was run in an incredibly prejudiced way. Witnesses were clearly coached when it was followed up with. They said, oh, all the stuff I said on the witness stand didn't happen. Um, And and a number of other sort of things like that, problems with the trial. His lawyer was basically incompetent. Um, All this kind of stuff, right, that, that ends up being a problem with the case. So the, the the plan in the long run eventually is that uh, the current governor of Georgia uh, is going to eventually just commute him and release him because he was clearly innocent and put in prison. However, tensions are so high around Jewish folks in Atlanta at the time, as actually as part of this trial and the ongoing process, many Jewish businesses are burned, people are beat up. Um, so tensions are so high that he can't do that in the moment. So he moves Leo to a minimum security sort of prison farm for him to be able to live in a little bit more comfort. He gets to have more regular visits with his wife, all of this stuff. Unfortunately, and again, this is based on a true story, a mob shows up at this Prison, This minimum security prison, uh, basically they break in, they drag Leo out, they take him to a very small town in Georgia where the young girl who was murdered, Mary, was born, and they lynch him there. And that's, that's the story of Leo Frank. This musical dramatizes all of that. Um, It has some very interesting characters that get some really cool stuff. A young, like a 13-year-old boy that knew Mary plays a very prominent role. A newspaper reporter plays a sort of narrative prominent role. Um, You meet the governor of Georgia. You meet all this uh, kind of fire and brimstone preacher whose prejudice against Jewish people really influences his voice on the case named Watson. Um, But that is sort of the long and short of the plot is that basic story of Leo's false imprisonment based on racial, ethnic, religious prejudice in Atlanta. He eventually is found to be innocent by some higher-ups after his case is reinvestigated, moved to a minimum security prison as his sort of recompense until he can be released when tensions are cooled, but unfortunately is dragged away in the night and lynched. And that is how the musical ends. The, The musical dramatizes the marriage between Leo and Lucille as a kind of very important subplot. I'm not exactly sure how true to life this part of it is, or if this is more of an invention of the storytelling of the musical. But the marriage is painted as a sort of unhappy one in the beginning. Leo is kind of a hard-nosed worker, um, sort of a, 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 I'm gonna focus on only doing this. I'm sort of embarrassed to even be married. I hate living in the South and I'm forced to live here because of you. Lucille is sort of wants more from her marriage, wants more tenderness, wants more romance, Wants uh, more fun, um, and so their marriage is a, is a is a rocky one at the beginning, and then of course this stuff happens, and all these people come out of the woodwork to say terrible things about Leo, untrue things. I mean, just made up whole cloth, which Lucille discovers as she investigates the case. But she hears all these people say that her husband's a creep, that he walks in on people in the dressing room, that he's putting his hands on people's legs, um, and so the 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 way the musical stages their marriage is that as Lucille become—sort of forces her way into helping Leo, who outright refuses her help and at one point is like—sort of is cruelly tells her to shut up and leave— But as she sort of forces her way into helping her husband, she gains his respect for her incredible brilliance, for what she is able to do in terms of political maneuvering on the outside. And this sort of team-up effort is the thing that rekindles their marriage, their love for each other. Leo has a real reckoning about how he's treated her, the kind of way he thought about her as a person, his own perhaps uh, sexual prejudice in terms of male and female. And that that is sort of re. Uh, sewn in his head. And by the end of the musical, they're very happily in love. Their marriage seems like as soon as he gets out, they're going to be the best, most happy, most equitable married couple you've ever met. And then, of course, very tragically, he dies. Um, So that's the kind of other important subplot, I would say. As a a general overview, a general sweep, we maybe will give you a little more info if we decide to dig in on specific moments.
0: Yeah, yeah, you've kind of named the two um plots that um that govern almost I think all the songs basically (laughs) like any anytime someone breaks into song it's around those two those two matters um uh you you uh, especially the the kind of journey that uh Leo and Lucille go on in this play of I think there's like kind of four songs in particular um that that really kind of move their relationship uh through the stages that you just talked about you know it starts with this I don't believe it's a titled song but it's a duet during the uh kind of parade number at the start of the play where all of that is re- is revealed about like he's working on a on a holiday, going into work on a holiday rather than picnicking together, and this picnic theme um, it, it ones, is one that pays off in the end. Um, you have you don't know this man that Lucille sings about Leo. Um, you you have the uh do it alone, uh, which which uh is, is a song that Leo is trying to push Lucille away, and then Lucille ultimately is the one that uh gets the, the ball rolling enough to get the governor to re-examine the case and then of course all the wasted time which was the song i mentioned in the context uh, i couldn't remember the title but all the wasted time is is a, a a beautiful number between the two of them kind of both singing uh together uh in kind of uh equal uh, intensity and 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 connection after all all the wasted time that they had um uh and so so yeah it's it's this it's this beautiful journey that kind of underlines this whole kind of legal battle that's happening um uh, Uh, Unjust legal battle, but underneath it all is the two of them trying to uh, navigate this, uh, I think it's like only two years into their marriage as well, this really difficult moment for them that they're trying to find each other in, as well as save Leo from.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's exactly right. And, and you mentioned all the things that are set up and paid off as part of that journey. The Picnic, of course, is a huge one. The whole musical is set around Memorial Day, but not that Memorial Day. It's the, yeah. conf- it's the Memorial Day for Confederate soldiers in the South. We may talk about why the, the musical so heavily leans in. I mean, it's called Parade, for goodness yeah. sake, right? I mean, if, you, if you've listened so far, and you know the musical, and you're like, Parade? what? Uh-huh. Maybe it should be called the Trial of Leo Frank or or Prejudice in the South or something like that. I mean, no, it's called Parade because the whole thing is set around these Memorial Day parades. But again, Memorial Day for the Confederate soldiers. Lost right, right, War. right. Let's set that aside for now and talk about that in a minute. But you would mentioned the picnic, right? It's Memorial Day at the beginning. They're going to set up to take this picnic. He doesn't because he's going to go to work. All this terrible stuff happens. Their final moment together at the end is this sort of imagined picnic in the countryside that they finally get to take together they finally you know have a a physical rekindling as well wink wink nudge nudge as well at the end of all this um and then and unfortunately the lynching happens after that another great payoff if we're just looking at all the great things that these writers set up and pay off um, after leo has been Uh, A sentence to death by this sort of unjust court system. Lucille comes to visit him with all of these ideas and and the conversation gets quite heated and everybody gets quite mad um, at at each other. Again, this is the point where their marriage is at its maybe most almost going to fall apart. And Lucille says... um, Leo says, I know you mean well, honey, I really do, and I appreciate it. That sounds nice, but that's the sort of condescending tone he takes with her a lot. And Lucille says, but keep my stupid mouth shut. Of course, Leo, you're right, like you always are. That leads into sort of a big number where she convinces him to let her help him. You can't do it alone. But that line, you just want me to keep my stupid mouth shut, that's a summary, but that's close enough, really pays off later in the musical. The big duet number where they're going to finally start working together, where Leo realizes the error of his ways. One of the lines is Lucille singing, I can speak for you. I can speak for you on the outside. And you can see it's a deliberate turnaround where no longer she's being told to be quiet and stay out of my affairs, but now she's literally his advocate speaking for him out in the world in a way in which he can't.
0: Which comes at a really particular time in the musical where he has, uh, he's been kind of abandoned in a lot of ways by his own, not abandoned uh, but his own machinations haven't worked um uh a his 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 lawyer who you said at the beginning is is basically an inept lawyer um uh, maybe had a plan showing up to the hearing but but maybe didn't um uh, has has kind of like he's given him his last set of letters to send out to the world and fired him um and then and and kind of uh le- leaves him uh and and, and you have Leo completely kind of alone in that moment, especially from the audience's perspective. We feel his aloneness, that his, um, his, his attempts to uh, fight this himself um, haven't worked and then you even 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 more so that it's just really a really good scene right after that you go to the governor's mansion and have this scene where his lawyer shows up and does one last drunken salvo basically showing up to the prosecuting attorney and saying you know what you did it's terrible you shouldn't have done it you had him on you over you know you 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 manipulated that whole jury into into the verdict and he's just he's just like trounced basically he's he's completely drunk he fails and he walks out of the room it's the last time we see the lawyer at that same party Lucille shows up and ends up dancing with the governor and gets the governor to uh start looking at uh, through a series of events but uh, this is the moment that like triggers the governor, re-engaging the case and trying to figure out if there's more going on than the verdict eventually wound up at. So, so right away, it's just, it's this really good structure right away. You get the aloneness of Leo, Lucille kind of being told by Leo to stop. And then she doesn't, <laughs> she in fact goes out and saves him becomes an actual uh, effective voice to save him uh, uh, from, from at least the verdict.
1: Yeah. And I think you you mentioned the song, right? All the wasted years, which is this, Um, it's Leo's, like, confession, reversal. It's the moment where he says, I've been wrong about you. I've been wrong about our marriage. I've treated you poorly, and I was wrong to do that, and now I'm going to do better. And in a musical that is... I think a lot about the nature of prejudice, about how prejudice turns into rumors, turns into real, tangible societal impacts on the people who are um, at the at the victim end of that prejudice. Um, It is interesting that it seems to me that one of the things the folks that wrote this musical have done is set up Leo to have some of his own prejudice. I mean, at the beginning of the musical right now, he's that's a kind of uncomfortable choice in some ways, because he is the victim of severe anti-Semitism to the point where he is sentenced to death for a crime he didn't commit and then eventually lynched for a crime he didn't commit. I mean, we're talking about real um, tangible violent anti-Semitism and the way that the story is told, he's also got his own little bit of prejudice to work. So there's some uncomfortability there, but it is the way the musical is structured. He has these songs at the beginning about how you know his wife doesn't get him. Her she has kind of her own role, which is to sort of be quiet and handle things for him at home and and to, to make sure all this stuff happens. But then he also has all these songs about um about people in the South, these sort of dumb hicks that he's never going to get. He's educated. He's from the North. He has so much more to offer than these sort of, I mean, you know, we think of Atlanta now as like a totally different city than it was in 1913. Um, But so the musical is set up for him to have these opinions that also seem prejudicial in some way. And what happens to Leo, of course, is that he has his mind changed. He comes yeah. to see the error of his prejudice, the things that he was holding, the judgment he was holding as wrong, and of course, the the way that what happens in the musical is that nobody else does. the 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 anti-Semitism in Atlanta at the time doesn't change. Now, one or two people's minds are changed along the way individually but corporately societally culturally there is no revelation moment where everybody goes oh we've been wrong
0: right yeah yeah you you kind of have again again there's some symmetry in the in the music of that That, um, uh, that insight you shared because you start the musical with, how can I call this home? This musical that you've described of, of him kind of walking through the, uh, the parade that's going on and the celebrations that's going on and him kind of lamenting the fact that he's stuck down here, um. But then you have you have this this kind of final scene, even even after he has been stolen, like kidnapped from his jail cell and he's about to die. um He has this scene where he's talking about, I don't know, I can't figure out why this is happening, but perhaps it can be used for something um so, so that some some something can be learned as a result of this. Um, And, and in that, in that way you see, it kind of highlights those couple minds that are changed. Even in that last scene, he has, he's an outnumbered ally, um, but there's, there's someone in that last scene who is convinced that he's innocent and tries to stop him from being hanged. Um, And, and you, so each, each time along the way, you see how his story did affect some people. And of course and of course that you have the, the meta thought as well you're sitting in a you're sitting in a theater hearing his story as well you know this this musical is written like 90 80 years after Leo Frank was tried um so so you definitely see the effect that those small moments, <laughs> those small moments of someone being convinced had doesn't change the, the atrocity, doesn't change the pain, doesn't change what happened to him. But you definitely see uh, how his journey, his character journey, had those ripple effects on other people's character as well.
1: Well, absolutely, but, but only on an individual level. And I think, to me, that's one of the musical's subtler themes. I mean, I think it's obvious that the musical takes a stand against anti-Semitism. The musical has some songs where it also makes the connection between anti-Semitism and anti-blackness in the South at the time. And, that, of course, that is a problem that we—both problems, really—that we are still struggling with in our society today, which makes it relevant, probably part of why it's been revived, all that. But the, all that, I think, is the more obvious. But there is a, a subtler inside point, I think, which is that individual persons may or may not um, be, you know, specifically racist in any Moment, or or have prejudice against Jewish people, or or be violent, or all of these things, right? Individuals may make their choices one way or the other, but that any individual choice along the way, while individual choices are meaningful and powerful, are not the same as broad corporate prejudice, oppression, racism. All of that kind of stuff. Even as Lucille and Leo convince individuals that the system was stacked against them from the beginning, the system still rolls on. To the point where he's hung from a tree at the end of the play. And I think that juxtaposition, the way that specific individuals, the reporter, the governor, the person at the end in the lynching party, have their minds changed by this sort of humanity and reality of Leo and Lucille, that any one of those individual minds changing does not change the fact that the system violently oppresses these folks.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and so so the the tools that the play uses to kind of drive home that point Um, uh, certainly the way it ends as, as, as you just described, you, I mean, he, even, even though they've convinced everyone they needed to convince his, his sentence was commuted to uh, commuted, I don't know if that's the right word, um, changed to life in prison instead of death. Um, and, and the hope is that he would, uh, yeah,
1: with the expectation that he'll be released once tension's cool. And I I think they are legitimately worried that if they just set him free, he literally would be launched. They don't think they were expecting them to break into the prison though.
0: (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yep, yep. So just just the plot of of it tent shows that bend towards injustice within this system. This system is bent towards that injustice. Even though everyone was that needed to be convinced was convinced at least enough to to commute the sentence, um uh it's still bent towards injustice. And additionally, so just so plot-wise it's telling that story. Additionally, though the like text of the script, um uh it's it's a little again, this is one of those things that's a little hard to capture. Um uh but but the the spectacle of this musical, because musicals engage in spectacle Drives home that point. Um, the parade certainly drives home that point. We say there's there's uh, the the play starts with um, the parade happening. It's not happening on stage, but it's happening kind of like just beyond stage. <laughs> um, and things like the Confederate flag are are walked along stage all the time. There's there's banners being uh, brought out. The music itself um, is this kind of certainly militaristic, very uh, Southland folk music inspired. Lots of kind of you know, like Dixieland tune sorts of music is is being played throughout the piece. And this is one of those really cool like layering uh, effects that Jason Robert Brown does. They'll be singing one song, uh, and underneath it, kind of juxtaposed to it, is another song being kind of brought in again. And and this sort of like in somewhat insidious, um uh kind of under the water, undercurrent, um it pervades so much of this play. You get these these songs and these melodies that that you know are talking are and, and leaning towards the the uh the 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 fact that there is a whole system at work underneath these impassioned songs, underneath these uh really uh justified claims uh, uh that the people are making. Um, underneath it all is this this kind of slow rolling, low lazy river of unchanged system that will eventually draw towards the end of the play and and end it where it does.
1: Yeah, I, I want to talk about the the way that the Memorial Day and the parade are part of that. But just as a further emphasis of that, another example of setup and payoff that are so brilliant. The musical starts back at, during the Civil War, basically. It's a little confusing to me exactly why this is the choice. they I made. Mean, I kind of made that same point about the Phantom prologues. I don't... What are we doing? (laughs) Let's just start the story. But anyway, it starts this way. It starts with this young soldier who's about to go off, Confederate soldier about to go off and fight in the Civil War. He sings this sort of lovely, sweet song about Georgia. I go to fight for these old hills behind me, these old red hills of home. I go to fight for these old hills. Remind me of a way of life that's pure, of a truth that must endure in a town called Marietta in the old red hills of home. And there's a lot of sort of sweet songs about Georgia that if you think just a little, uh, a hair too much about them, sound a little odd, a way of life that's pure. Do you mean like a white? What are you talking about? Maybe i just give you the benefit of the doubt that it's just sort of chill and and beautiful and sweet. But then later in the musical, as things are starting to, the tensions are starting to boil, you get a, um, uh, the, the folks start to sing a song, another Georgia song. And this time this Georgia song is, Georgia, home of the strong and sure, fight like hell for the land of the pure, teach the traitor to run away. So now that language of fighting for Georgia, the sort of purity, which in the original song maybe is sort of like a rural purity, like a, a simple agricultural way of life. Now, of course, we know what agriculture meant in the South. But even if you gave yeah. it like the most bo- possible benefit of the doubt, it's like this picturesque Southern life. But this you can see the musical writers evolving that language and saying, what's the end of all this? Well, you talk about that agricultural, pure, southern way of life. We are talking about slavery. You're talking about whiteness being the dominant culture. You're talking about all of this stuff. And it bubbles and it becomes specifically manifest. Fight like hell for the land of the pure. Teach the traitor to run away. It becomes much more violent and oppressive the longer the musical goes on. These sort of underlying systemic cultural ideologies
0: and not only that but the the, the kind of uh, oppression is even more pronounced because because uh, uh, additionally the 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 opening song has that one lone voice of this this you know young man fighting all you know all by himself on stage he sings it out um i'm not going to get i'm gonna, you already did a good job talking about how complicated that is the, the lyrics of it are um but but he's all by himself he's singing it really sweetly blah 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 blah, blah. by the end of the play a mob is singing the the songs. Um, a, a whole system has been whipped up. Tons of people are, and you and you kind of see what uh the 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 full uh, consequence of this viewpoint is. A mob of people um storm the governor's mansion. A mob of uh, three people break into a prison and bring out uh Leo Frank to a mob waiting for him. Um, so you so you see you see you see the eventual. Final destination of of this viewpoint slowly uh blow more and more into into its kind of horrid clarity by the end of the play.
1: Yeah, and and that that sort of mob mentality is part of where this musical's name and kind of driving image is, which is the parade. It starts after the lone soldier song in, in the middle of the Civil War. They jump ahead to the actual time the story starts again. I, just start the story, but whatever. They jump ahead <laughs> to the actual time the story starts, and you get this uh, Memorial Day parade. Again, we're talking about Memorial Day for Confederate soldiers, not like United States-wide Memorial Day in May that we all know. We're talking about a specific holiday to celebrate Confederate soldiers where they have these Memorial Day parades. And and already there are people at the beginning that are, especially Leo, like why aren't we doing a big parade for Confederate soldiers? I'm not sure I get it. But it happens several times throughout the play. The parade happens because we come back to this date each year of Leo's imprisonment. It's a sort of anniversary thing that the, the play uses to structure time, but also as its driving metaphor. The play's called Parade. And of course that parade evolves into the parade mob that ends up lynching Leo. And there is this loose thematic sort of uh, uh noticing that happens where it says it what is the connection between a culture in which we celebrate people who fought to continue slavery who traitors to the country in every real sense of the word uh, in which we are celebrating that part of history it does that manifest itself into injustice now and the play—if we celebrate injustice, then does that manifest into injustice now? And the musical, of course, gives the answer as a resounding yes.
0: Right, right. Which is why the—I I think uh, I, this isn't the only time. Uh, that the word, that's why the parade analogy is used is where I'll, I'll finish that thought there. <laughs> um, that's why the parade analogy is used. It's why the title is parade. It's because it's drawing attention to that celebration and to the eventual consequence of it. It's kind of an odd, you, you said or at the beginning of this conversation, it's an odd name for the play given the songs <laughs> um the the one time parade like or the the image in my mind or the 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 tune in my head um from this song that talks about the parade is leo frank's uh celebration song i think i think it's actually all the wasted time uh, that starts with um uh 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 cancel your parties uh forget your big parade um and that's that's the song in my head about this musical <laughs> um uh and 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 it's just interesting that that's that that you know into into that big narrative is woven this love story is woven is woven this individual story even while uh the the systemic critique is happening on on its kind of meta level on the the kind of system that that it is uh that it's addressing and trying to Uh, bring to light in some way and and call for justice in some way
1: yeah the 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 line i think is actually a different song it's called this is not over yet um it means cancel all your parties forget your big parade the crowds will not be cheering so despite what you're hearing you can lay down your spade it means my mother can stop crying my rabbi's eulogy can wait Dorsey can stop beaming and my cousin can stop dreaming of his portion of my estate. He's singing about uh, the the opportunity. Lucille has had some success in getting his case revisited, which means all this stuff is not going to happen. What's so interesting about this song, and even as you think about, oh, it's this this sort of big celebratory joyous number, that's what I think about when I think about parade. I don't think about the Confederate soldiers parade. I mean, what? Let's just think for a second— What is he talking about? Cancel all your parties. Forget your big parade. The crowds will not be cheering. What could that possibly mean? To me, the obvious implication there this is a great example of a playwright not stating something specifically but stating something that is implied by the thing and letting you figure out the thing the thing in this case must be that he is anticipating if his death sentence is carried out there will be parties there will be a big parade there will be crowds cheering so uh, the players don't come out and say, look, this town is so anti-Semitic that if someone is killed, they're going to have parties in the streets, a big parade, a celebratory crowds cheering. Instead, they say the next thing, which is Leo saying, if I win, all that's not going to happen. Right. And it, it's <laughs> it's an uncomfortable song, although it's joyful and loud and boisterous and amazing because, of course, all this is not going to happen. But the underlying assumption is that Leo thinks all that's going to happen
0: and probably would um he, the, the other line the other line in the song is is something like uh the resurrection of the south's least favorite son yeah. um uh, yeah, so yeah, he, yeah. He, he, he's he's very aware um, that 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 uh that his demise is longed for by a lot of people and so his his and that and that's that's an integral part of his the journey that we already talked about is is him kind of in in this justifiably vindictive space in that moment of, of, uh, of, of hope, hope kindled in that moment as it slowly looks like he's going to get away, um, or, 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 uh, get out, um, uh, from, from, uh, the, the kind of pressure of the system around him, though it doesn't end up being that way in the end.
1: Yeah, and and it's that metaphor that is being used there of a kind of parade that might happen at his death, the metaphor of the Confederate Memorial Day Parade, the metaphor of the parade of the mob lynching. I mean, it's all back to this parade, right? The title is parade. And what is a parade but a celebration? And so in some ways, I think if you were trying to boil down the theme of this musical, one option for you might be be careful what you celebrate. Or maybe instead of making it personal and individual, because I made that whole point earlier, it's if you want to know what your society is, look at what they choose to celebrate. Mm -hmm. Look at what they choose to celebrate. Now, not to get too political or anything about that, but several years ago, there was a big time in our country. It's mostly settled down now. But there's a big time cultural debate about what to do with statues of Confederate leaders. And one argument being made by one side, I don't want to make a whole big thing about this, but an argument being made by folks that say remove them or move them to a museum is why are we celebrating these people? Putting a statue up in a public square in a place of honor, like the fountain in the middle of your downtown, the whatever, is celebrating them. And this musical maybe sort of speaks to that idea. If you're going to choose to celebrate injustice – then injustice is going to manifest itself violently and painfully in your society. And if you want to know if there is injustice in your society, take a look at what your society is choosing to celebrate.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's that's part of the reason why this play has been restaged um, and continues to be revived. Um, it's, it's the reason why it has protesters out in front of it at its productions. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, this, this play is, I think, speaking right into that, that question and that cer- certainly, certainly the way, the, the kind of production schedule of that makes sense. Um, uh, as, as you kind of wonder about like a two year, two years ago, three years ago, um, this, this play would be a great play to pick to have that sort of conversation around. And that's, that's again, like, uh, maybe, maybe this is a good, uh, kind of callback to, what I said earlier, that this this play, I think, I guess, I guess this isn't uh, just of the musicals that I've engaged recently. I guess, and I think, I think generally, uh, prevalently, musicals don't lean so hard <laughs> into a social justice critique as this play does. Um, there's often lots I, of stuff I, going on in musicals. I, I
1: will say though, I mean, in part, that's because musicals. You know, have to make money in a way that other plays don't because they're such expensive to put on. So you don't see a lot of musicals that would be controversial. But instead, and that has been a critique of this musical too, is like, it is, a, it is a safe kind of controversy. Now, I know there's protesters and stuff like that, <laughs> but it's like from more than a hundred years ago, right? It's like a period piece about injustice back then. And although I think it has real things to say about injustice now, and I think it's important and I'm very glad we're talking about it and that it's on Broadway and all that, I, just to float it out there as our conversation winds down here, like it, it, part of the reason why this musical could happen, whereas a musical about Confederate statues is not going to get on Broadway is that this is a much more safe version of that social justice critique
0: yeah fair point for sure uh, you know an 80 year old issue as opposed to a, a <laughs> a something that happened last year or something like that and there's plenty of you know uh, 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 things that happened last year that would that would that deserve a chance for theater as social justice to take a look at and I think that does happen I don't think it happens often in musicals though um, and I so I do want to say yeah, that uh, this musical uh does, does, does some work in that field in a way that I wasn't, wasn't expecting necessarily as I, as I kind of re-engaged it again. Um, and, uh, I'm I'm grateful for, for an example of theater, especially musical theater, um, as, as a way to engage something really real. Um, really, uh, uh, that, that isn't, that isn't, that, that is a little bit more than just, uh, That that, a little bit more than just engaging spectacle and using spectacle really interestingly to critique, to uh, tell a story uh, that 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 has a really tragic end to it. Um, And and uh, and yeah, and just to engage this issue well in a format that I'm used to, you know, catchy tunes being the result of my experience.
1: No, I I think you're totally right about that. It's. It has a meaningful thing to say. And it's, you don't see that a lot in musicals. Some, some you do sometimes. Um, and especially now, that's happening more and more, I think. But especially from a musical that is, that is, old, I mean, quote unquote, older. It's not right, right but it, you know, <laughs> it's older than the past 10 years. I mean, it's, it's really impressive in that way and it's it's fantastic that it's as popular as it is for the kinds of things that it has to say. I, that's all the time that we have today and unfortunately all the time we've got for the season. yeah, a reminder that's good. that we are about to go on our short break. We'll be back with season 11 very soon. It's coming.
0: It is, yeah, just a couple of short months away. Um, we'll be uh, cranking out another bunch of unscripted conversations about theater's best scripts. Um, while the conversation uh, about this piece is over for today and the conversation uh, about the plays of this season are over, we'll continue to uh, extend the invitation to uh, con- continue to chat about these scripts and these plays with all of you. If you have seen Parade, been in Parade, read Parade, or uh, interacted with any of the scripts from this season or any other season of no script you can find us on facebook instagram or twitter at the username at no script podcast and that's a great spot to come and chat with us about the plays that we've done about plays that you like um you know just whatever you want to talk about about scripts and stuff like that we'd love to be a place to kind of cultivate that conversation we also have a gmail no script podcast at gmail.com find us on any of those sites we'd love to keep talking about parade with you
1: Absolutely. For the final time this season, if you liked this episode or any of our other episodes, please recommend us to your family, your friends, anybody you know that likes theater, scripts, stories, or just conversations about art. Send them our way. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube. We can also like us on Facebook for a link to the episode to just appear on your feed every Monday. We will see you all soon. We'll be back from our break with the beginning of season 11. Until then, I'm Jacob Mann Christensen.
0: And I am Jackson Nikolai. Thanks for listening to No Script, the podcast.